Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Mark Rose podcast. You know, years ago, I remember attending this talk that I was just on the beginning of my journey, you know, I was discovering, you know, what did I want to do with my life? I had this calling to want to talk about relationships. And I also had this sense that I had this spiritual aspect of me that I had been severed from, that I had disconnected myself from, this idea of being connected to more than just myself, you know, being connected to you, being connected to the planet. I, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it that way at the time. I hadn't done things like group meditations or sat by a tree with my eyes closed and really just had the intention of connecting with myself and the earth that I sat upon. You know, I remember as a kid laying in the grass and looking at the sky and your intention isn't to do that, but of course you experience that. And I think we're often absent of that experience due to maybe sitting on the ground, but our attention and psyche is actually in a smartphone. So years ago, I remember being on that journey and that spiritual aspect I'd really severed myself from because I grew up as I'm sure you've heard on the podcast, I often joke that I'm a recovering Catholic. But what am I recovering from? Or what was I recovering from? And it was that the reason I had such a challenging time with Catholicism is that the way that it tried to teach me when I was in school was to use shame to try to get us to you know behave certain ways or totally disassociate from our sexuality. So there was no empowerment. It was fear. And fear does garner control, but it doesn't garner control that is respecting the desires of whatever you know, they're trying to achieve or get whatever behavior they're trying to get a group to do. And, you know, you see that in, in the way that governments navigate situations with their citizens. And so I had a really hard time with that. And it made me associate the relationship to God or spirituality with this version of God and spirituality, with this version of, of connectedness. And it took me years to understand how to heal that. And one of the greatest teachers of sort of navigating back into that space of trust and 
this belief that miracles are possible, that that we have to allow the story to unfold through us, you know, and and be a badass and take responsibility for our life and and just allow the the truth, right, of who we're being and what we actually want and what are we settling for to actually marinate in that. Because if we can't acknowledge that, we will never be able to change our lives. It's impossible. If you can't accept what is true, then how do you change it? Because you can't even touch it. Like you can't change something you can't see or you're not willing to see. And that was hard because the acceptance of truth that I hadn't, that I denied my spiritual self for a long time or, or my soul or whatever words you might use for it. Um, and one of the greatest teachers for that part of my journey and, and still now is Danielle Laporte. She's such an incredible teacher. She's such an incredible person. And I remember seeing her at this talk that she gave. Uh, I went to more than one of her talks, but I remember this one specifically was at the beginning and I just felt so, um, in a way, witnessed by her words, called forward by her words. I might have used the term called out, but I realized that calling forward is the calling out, but actually doing it in a way that's inviting our expansion. And it was transformative for me. She's always had a special place in my heart. And today, you get to hear her. You get to hear her channel her wisdom and share with her us her sense of humor. She's just such a great person. And you know, a couple of years ago, I was keynoting at a conference and so was she. And I was just, it's like one of those moments where you're like, oh, wow. Like I used, I was in the audience and I'm still obviously in lots of audiences, but it's like, it felt so beautiful and wonderful that everything that she said to me in the first lecture, that, that it invited this hope and possibility from me, um, was actually being realized by standing beside her. That was a really beautiful moment of, of recognition of how far we can come. So, you know, before we hop into the episode, please, wherever you listen to this, give it a five-star review, a written review. Make sure you subscribe to it. That's such a great way that you can help support the podcast just to get it in more people's ears. Please share the episode if it resonates with you and tag me uh, on Instagram. And so, yeah, without further ado, here is Danielle Laporte. This has been a long time coming, and I am not exaggerating in any way with that statement. Danielle Laporte, please, the woman, the myth, the legend, welcome. This has been specifically, I was thinking about it today, three years. You and I were at the same gig. You cried on stage and made all the women swoon. <laughs> You're just like, oh, Mark, you so sensitive and deep and then we were and we were talking that day about podcasting and here we are and I've been really excited um yeah because I love and respect you and I want to let's like let's be of service let's get into this well right back at you and before we even get there like I have to acknowledge that you were uh and are but at the very beginning such an integral part of um feeling witnessed in someone else's work, like someone putting the words to experiences that I couldn't. And also just by the way that you spoke and by the way that you speak and write, it's not historical. I, it was like boundaries in action. It was like fire in witnessing fire. Like it was witnessing strength and courage. And, um, and it was, it, it comes from a place that is also kind of sassy, 
which I really loved because for me, it was like, I've always been a little sassy. And so it was being able to witness that you could be all of those things and not be put in a box by a brand or whatever, you know, be told how you need to be. And I, I mean, this conversation is so interesting because it's like, I've witnessed you on stages and read your work and to have you on this podcast with me just feels like, you know, for all the people who are like, I wonder what it'll turn out like, or I'm afraid that it won't. It's like, this feels like uh, it all coming together. So thank you. Oh yeah. We're already there. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, you, so much of your work is uh, centered around being in your heart and I know that's not just a relational thing, but about all our work. And, and so I'm curious, you know, you've, you shifted from desire map and that work to heart centered, which I love that shift. And I'm curious, like, how has your work changed? How have you changed over the time and and what's really percolating in your mind and your heart? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when you talk about in reference to me, my personality, and boundaries and that kind of boldness. Like what I'm really thinking when I hear that is like, yeah, but I've changed. Mm. And the change is that I am like so much more gentle. Mm. And I so don't care about probably 72% of the stuff I used to care about. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a gift. And I'm really like, I used to kind of, you know, this was like a sexy concept, like, you know, simplicity as a spiritual practice. And now I get it. I get why simplicity is spiritual. I didn't understand that before, but that's where I'm at now. So the question, you know, for so almost 10 years, I was obsessed with the whole everything desire what is desire and having these conversations with lamas and priests and anybody I could, you know, a Buddhist and, uh, and manifesting and feelings and, and everything was predicated on how do you want to feel? And that I've realized is a really legitimate, essential question. Got to ask it, got to wake up to like, wow, my feelings matter. Mm -hmm. My feelings are like this global positioning system. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's developmental because my epiphany was I could be having a really bad day. I could be in a dark place for an extended period of time and I could still feel close to something bigger, to like my soul, to God, to a friend. And it, and then I realized like, then this whole spiritual thing is not about me necessarily being happy. This is not about me feeling badass or inspired or whatever my core desired feeling was. I'm still, I cannot feel those things. I can feel the opposite of those things. And I can still feel, oh, so much like purposefulness and meaningfulness. So then this thing that I've built all these years, like, what am I going to do with this? (laughs) (laughs) And you know, more introspection and more tears and more research and more meditation. And, you know, not the first one to figure out your feelings. And this is so relevant to relationships. Feelings come from the unconscious realm. They're signals, they're information that come comes from the basement. 
And this isn't to say, because I could get on this super esoteric trip and talk about like what evolved is and everything. It's not to say that feelings are bad. It's just, we're not our feelings. Yes. Because if I was my feelings, I wouldn't have a purposeful life if I had a bad day. So then it's about, this is a loaded word for a lot of people, especially us recovered Catholics. <laughs> it's about virtue. So the, fee, the, the question, the guiding question goes from how do I want to feel to what do I want to embody? And it's so much more powerful, Mark. It's just like, what do I want to be no matter what? Mm. Okay. So let me attempt to deconstruct that like a tasty taco. So you you've got, it. first, it sounds like you've really entered a space that's about grace more than boldness or, you know, like that, that space of softness. Um, and I, I identify a lot with that. Like when I first started, I was like, here's the fucking deal. And here's the thing, you know, and there's in order to participate in the world today, I have had to find a much more regulated less enraged, passionate state, but a more soft one that says, Hey, I'm here to listen to. Um, and the part about virtues, I'm really curious about that. So, cause you don't hear the word virtue very often. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so how would we define a virtue? Cause it, it sounds to me like it's correlated to integrity, um, and mm -hmm. purpose and, uh, mission or, or meaning, meaning maybe. So yeah. How do you define it? And, and please, please educate me. Yeah. I think it's about all those things and bigger. Yeah. So let's talk about love. Hmm. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about love. Um, love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion because based on what I just rolled out here, if love were a feeling, we wouldn't, it would come in and go, it would come and go. We would not, we would be adrift right. if we weren't feeling the love that, you know, so love is a virtue. Love is a state of consciousness. Love is, I mean, we can just really push this out into the edges of the universe, right? Like love made us love we are made of the stuff. It's a fabric of entanglement of the universe. You are the stuff of divine love. You are ever generative. You are creative. You are divine love. And you make, when you make stuff out of divine love, it's stuff that lasts, it vibrates higher. It's real. When you make stuff out of the ego, it's not going to last. It's not legit. <laughs> Okay, so love's not a feeling. It's a virtue. It comes from something higher. It comes from whatever you pick, where everybody, you pick a word right now. We can just spin the wheel. You want to call it the infinite. You want to call it God. You want to call it source, whatever. Love is source. So I think all virtues come from this mother virtue of love. So it's like if you see love as this sphere of light, it has these rays. Love makes all these babies called forgiving and loving kindness and compassion and generosity and radiance and joy. But it all goes back to love. But all these rays have their own kind of unique personality, like, you know, people in a family. Yeah. And 
I can, I know this, I know this from, this is going way back now, but like one of my greatest experiences of joy was in the middle of my divorce. Mm -hmm. I'm walking my dog in the alley and he's then having a Marlboro life has fallen apart. And I just, I just felt so in touch with life in that moment. Like I could talk to my dog. I could smell the cherry blossoms. So virtues come from the higher. They come from the soul. Mm -hmm. You can't do a virtue. You can only embody a virtue. You can only be a virtue. So it's like you can't act love, but you can be loving and you can't put on forgiveness, but you can be the experience of forgiving. And when we move into that, like it's totally different. We actually, like I say, this is going to sound kind of flip, but I kind of mean it like how you feel just does not matter as much. Look, I like to get my greens on the go. I don't want to compromise on quality. I want to get organic. I want non-GMO. I want all the things. And my favorite product from Organifi will never cease to be the green juice. And now they have a green apple flavor, which kicks ass. I think I can say that. But it kicks ass. It's so good. And it's so easy. You just take a glass of water, take a scoop of green juice, or you take the travel packs. They're great to travel with. You open it up, you put it in the water, you mix it, and then bam, you've got a green juice without the mess, without all that stuff. And you're getting all the nutrients that all these superfoods that are in the green juice provide. So go check it out. Go to Organifi.com slash create the love and you save 20% at checkout. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash create the love. And they have tons of amazing products. So go check it out and go save 20%. And when how you feel doesn't matter as much, well, you're going to really have incredible relationships. Your nervous system is going to regulate. You're going to be a way cooler cat to hang around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's virtue. It doesn't allow us to lead with our feelings because I feel like, so even that experience, you know, saying be love, be forgiveness, be forgiving, be loving, that when we move from these fleeting things like states of emotion or like experiences of emotion uh, to embodiment, then the embodiment doesn't deviate regardless of the feeling. Is that right? And That's, I can, right. That's right. I experienced that like when, when, when Kylie and I broke up, I couldn't have loved her more. You know, like Mm -hmm. there was so much love present in the most painful (laughs) of moments, you know, when we did a closing ceremony, I was like, I don't think I've ever experienced something more alchemically cathartic and beautiful and so fucking hard. But at the same time, what was so rich in the difficulty was that love was just radiating in this gracefulness of saying, thank you for who you are, for your contribution to my life. And I think that's probably why when we could both sort of, I was going to say walk in different directions, although I guess they ended up being similar directions. It's like I was sort of limping away in a state of recovery, but um, so full, so full because the way that I showed up was from heart. It was just all love and Love wouldn't, ha- or sorry, ego wouldn't have done the closing ceremony because I could tell you I didn't want to go in the room and do the closing ceremony. 
because I was scared of what I might feel and who I might become and what I might heal. And I remember asking myself right before we were about to do it, I was like, do I want to not do this because I'm afraid or because I just genuinely don't want to do it? Like I'm afraid of what it's going to ask of me an experience I've never had. And it was instantly like, you're just afraid because of what you have to become. Mm -hmm. And I for sure was a completely different person when I left that experience. Um, And so I hear you talk about virtue. I'm not, I, this is what I love about you is that you put into language what we might feel in our bodies, but it's hard to, you know, it feels untangible, much like how we say God source, the ether, whatever we might call it. Um, how do we get, because I, I hear like, if we can get to that state of embodiment, beautiful, can't wait to hear how we do that. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> um, it sounds to me like when you can do that, then you can dance in the space of the minutiae of the human experience, like the gray, because right now it feels like it's so hard to dance in the gray, to speak and to like have curiosity about one another's positions and opinions and, and um, identities and all these different things that are sort of conversations that are off the table because there's too much emotional dysregulation or reactivity to these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. It's if, too much ego. Right. What's happening. Yeah. 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 So like, can you solve that for us too? Well, right. yeah, I can. Yeah, Let's please. do it right Let's now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Listen, what you did when you went into that room with Kylie to have the closing ceremony in this relationship, where at the time you were thinking, you know, she's my beloved, this blows. Okay. <laughs> Was like accurate. Um, You were being inclusive. You were being divine love, which is like, I'm going to let my pain in and I'm going to like, I'm going to be here for this. And if people could walk into a room to talk about what's going on in the world right now with that same kind of openness, like that openness is the medicine. So it's like you took your fear. You didn't judge your fear in that moment. This is like, this is, uh, this is what I think is so beautiful about that is like, in that moment, you're like, you were curious about your fear. Am I not wanting to, you didn't say, okay, so you had the resistance of going into the room. You didn't say, I'm, a f- you know, I'm weak and unevolved because I don't want to go into this room. And if I were more spiritual, or if I were a loving person, or if I were a better soon to be ex-boyfriend, I would go into that room. You were gentle with it. You're just like, okay, what is this? I'm curious about this you let it live in your heart. And it's this, it is this practical, like the practical thing is the heart chakra, the center of your heart, your, your chest really is this energetic portal to higher consciousness. Mm. It's so simple. It's like, it's like this secret door that's been built inside of us and nobody told us, we just got (laughs) a knock on it, you know? And it's like, there's, it's so exciting. It's like, it's there. It's behind, you know, you're peeling off the wallpaper and there's the note from the previous owners. (laughs) It's like, you know, you open Open this at own risk. Open this. How do I get calm? How do I think more clearly? How do I not be an asshole? How do I get over this? Use your mind and put your, put your thoughts in your heart. Visualize it. Or you might work in reverse. 
Let your heart tell you what to think. Let your heart tell you what to think. We're thinking creatures. I think, you know, where you're headed in terms of the ultimate of enlightenment is we don't think at all. We're just being, Mm. but I'm not there. Eckhart's not there. Nobody that is in body is really there, or at least they don't have an Instagram account. We're not hearing about them right now. (laughs) They Uh, they must not exist then. Never mind. Bye. (laughs) If enlightenment is not, doesn't have on my Instagram stories and didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) um so this is why you know i used to think breath work yawn i used to think inner peace (laughs) boring peace is so not sexy breath work is it focusing on your heart center is it and i mean this is everything we're doing and uh you know with my heart centered members and the facilitators it's very simple Mm. and the ego highly loathes simplicity. The ego loves complexity. The ego loves 21 steps. The ego loves, I'll tell you what the ego loves, life hacks. Oh my God, oh, enough with the hacking. Hacks, hacks of, yeah, shortcuts, you mean. It loves the shortcuts. <laughs> it loves the gizmo. It loves the, I, you know, there's so much about the hacking culture. That's about the inside track. It's like, I figured out the way it's such a wank fest, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and wank metaphysically speaking, I think it's actually this hacking approach to life is actually super dangerous because it's hollow. It's like, it's like learning to fly before you walk. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if you can, how much you can deadlift. It doesn't matter how little sleep you can go on. If you're not attuned with the intelligence of your body, all of those hacks can be so divisive between you and like your heart, your real wisdom. You could be eating the wrong thing. Your soul, I, this is going to sound like so woo. It's like your heart will tell you what to eat. And the thing with the heart and using the intelligence of the heart, which is scientifically back. And this has been my big lesson for the last two years, which I think has led to my radical simplification in my life, is that what you need to thrive on your own and in your relationship may change day to day. And back to the ego, the mind loves stability and certainty. So we want to find the 10 steps and we want to find the supplemental regime and we want to find the teacher. We want to find the book. We want to find the Instagram account that is going to work. And we do find those things and they do work because we're here to heal each other. So we find the solution and we lose the weight or we get more intimacy and we get attached to that. And then there's this struggle but we don't pay attention to the struggle where it's just like, guess what? That supplement, it's not what your body needs anymore. And that three questions that you ask, I just ordered your conversation deck, by the way, for my man for Christmas. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe the questions that broke your heart open three months ago, it's not the same question anymore. Right. But it takes the courage of being heart-centered to be able to hear what your body and your inner child and the person in front of you needs every day. 
because it's going to change. I think getting present, you know, that, that sounds to me like the invitation to presence to ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. to actually sit with what we really feel, who we really are, what, I mean, that's, that's confronting, you know, <laughs> is there yeah. not a hack you can do to, you know, when, the only, when I think about hacks, I, I kind of laugh because I, I think there are these ideas that there are shortcuts to expansion or shortcuts to enlightenment or shortcuts to, but gosh, I think there's long cuts you can take like really long ways to get places. But I think we could even argue those are what was required to start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first started, I was for sure one of of the people who's like busy all the time, doing all things, super extroverted, Mm -hmm. really in the company of people almost always. And that in hindsight, I see that was such a strategy to not sit with my, myself, to sit with how hurt I'd been from relationship, all these feelings that I found solace at the bottom of a pint glass, you know, to not feel or um, through like chasing women through, you know, just all these different ways that made it so I didn't have to sit in the wisdom of my actual feelings. And when I finally chose to do that, to just stop everything and kind of, not everything, there was still some things going on. Did you have a substance thing? No, I wouldn't, not explicitly. Like you wouldn't be Mm -hmm. like, Mark's got a drinking problem. (laughs) Like I wasn't waking up in the wrong, well, it depends what you call the wrong place, but I was, I, I would say that I've never made a bad decision sober, but I've certainly had a few, uh, not sober. And I just had this intuitive, like calling. And then eventually it became like a church bell that was like, Hey, maybe you should try quitting alcohol. And when I finally, I would, I think the question, did you have substance challenges? Listen, if it tastes good and feels good, I likely am going to get addicted to it. There's a high, there's a high likelihood. And what I've learned now is how do I dance in this space of like, how do I choose my relationships to the things that I'm in relationship with? Like mm-hmm. if I can't not have just one drink, then clearly the the drink is in charge of our relationship. Mm-hmm. If I can't just have one coffee, then caffeine's in charge. I'm getting something from these things that's making me be less present with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really been, I, there's this line from Ganga Ji, the spiritual teacher, where I was at a, uh, thing she was teaching and she, this person said, Oh, I've gotten sober and I've done all these things. And I can, I still can't get whatever it was. And she's like, get more sober, get sober from everything that pulls you away from who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I really started of like, Oh, there's so much in here. There's so much when I'm actually present to my voice, it's, it's really fun to hang out with. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. sometimes some smart shit comes out, you know, like and fun and it, it's interesting when I look now, I'm, I'm just kind of, I just want that for everybody. You know, I just want everybody to know how smart they, I feel like everyone's fucking Yoda walking around, like looking for answers from other people, not realizing like they just need to be reminded, you know, in a lot of ways. And I'm curious what you think about that or, or how do you even, how do you begin the journey or continue it or deepen it to be present with yourself, to hear that voice, to, to do the deadlift and be, you know, listen to your heart. Uh, I think you have to want it. 
this is the only high use of desire. It's desire higher, basically. Have a higher desire. Desire higher. Which is you got to want to be connected to something bigger than yourself. And then you dedicate to that. And then there are tools that have been around for thousands of years, like meditation, not messing around, you know, mm-hmm. contemplation, contemplation's a thing. It's like everybody right now, like think of an issue, think of a virtue. What's your thing? Like I'll, I'll use myself as an, as an example. I wanted to get to know courage more. And it was more than just like journaling about it or hearing about what somebody else thought about courage. So I like actively contemplated courage for a couple months. So I like do my morning meditation. It was like 15 minutes. I do my thing. And then I would just, I would put courage in my heart and just sit with it and be like, okay, what do you want to tell me? And then courage would show up and then like, I'd find this other reading. I'd find this teaching about courage. I'd go for a walk in the woods and I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to contemplate courage. That's a, it's a spiritual practice contemplation, right? Like, and I got to know what it was. And by the way, the, you know, the punchline to that story is courage is not about bravado or hacking it or sucking it up. Courage is the practice of like being with what is here because it's very uncomfortable to be Mm -hmm. with what is here. And, And the more you practice it, it's a muscle. The more you do, the, the more you be with what is here, the uncomfortable feelings and your shame and your arrogance and your paranoia and the beer and the fight and all of that, you relax, you get more spacious and it gets easier to be there. You actually, courage starts to not become a requirement. What do you need courage for if you're not scared? Mm-hmm. Like you're just what comes into that space then, right? Where courage was, you just are. You just are. You is. You is. You is love, babe. You're love. You're inclusive. You're you walking. We're just gonna totally deify you right now. You're <laughs> you walking into the room for the closing ceremony with that and whom you do not want to let go of. That's a death. Hmm. I mean, and you said you came out of that room, a different person. So who is that different person? You're more expanded. You're really what you are is you're more aware of what you truly are, which is always open. Like it's a misnomer that we open our heart or we close our heart to something. No, you don't. Listen, that's going to be the title of my next book. I just want to write a book called Listen. (laughs) Listen, listen, (laughs) listen, Um, your mind closes and your mind opens your mind. You have an open-minded day, moment, meditation, kiss, whatever. And you go, oh my gosh, I'm love. And it's like my, in my whole body and it's my whole life. And I came from this stuff. I came from something amazing. I feel connected to the trees, man. You know, like that's your awareness being open. And then your awareness closes and you go, um, you have a different opinion than I do. So you suck. That is closed minded. You made a different choice than I made. So you are less than because my choice is right for me. It must be right for you. And this is what's playing out on the global stage right now. We are in an, we are in a pandemic of closed mindedness, not close heartedness. This is where faith comes in. The heart is open. The love is there. The light is there, but we are 
ruefully ignorant. We are willfully denying who we really are. We're acting separate and it is killing us. It's killing our children. It's, it's, I could go on. It's my greatest heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. I share that heartbreak too. The, you know, when I look at, at, at how much courage it takes to continue to be open to thoughts, feelings, positions, identities, whatever it might be, that might be different than ours. And I think there's an interesting misconception that somehow those things existing minimize or discredit our own choice. And and I think of the skill that's required to be really good at love, right? Um, At being love. What is the skill required to be good at love? Is Is to be a bridge between two people, right? Like, between any is to, is to recognize that you and I can experience an event very differently. Um, and both of our experiences are actually really valid and being able to be curious about one another's experience and want to understand it is unconditionally loving, right? It's to say like, uh, yeah. Can we break this down? So is curiosity, the bridge, how do you, what bridges two people? Yeah, curiosity, the desire to for their uh, truth to exist at the same time, and it not be—I uh, mean, I think—for it not to be diminished, you know, that for it to be allowed to exist, but not be a final endpoint. Like that truth is the endpoint. My truth is the endpoint. That like together we're able to figure out how does how do we converge, you know, in some way. Okay, so let's let's go slow. So. If curiosity is the bridge, curiosity is an expression of love. Curiosity is the bridge. Curiosity. Okay. Okay. So my way of being loving is to be curious about you. Mm -hmm. In order for me to be curious about you, I kind of got to leave my stuff for a second. It's just like, we just hold my purse and (laughs) I'm going to let my ego just chill. I'm Mm going to leave my identity for a second. And I'm going to come over to your side and be interested in you and get inside, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm just proving our mutual Yodaness, which everybody has within them, which is like the, the ego does, is not interested in a bridge. Ego is yeah. interested in why you are over there and I am over here. And I want to stay over here because if I come to you, I'm going to get softer. I, if I come to you to be curious and understand you, my identity starts to get a little bit wobbly. Mm-hmm. I'm less entrenched. And so really, if all this is true, which I'm a stand, it's true. We're right. We are righteous <laughs> is yeah. like the medicine for the planet right now is curiosity and gentleness and you can't be curious unless you're gentle yes agree <laughs> that seems to be sort of the access point now there's a faux we all know there's fake love but there's faux curiosity too where the ego mind the personality mind the intellect is on a mission is it's just like you know when someone asks you a question you know they're just extracting data from you for their argument yeah. Yeah. Real love is not like that. Real love is like, I'm really interested. And then we'll see what I do with your opinion. 
I'm going to have an opinion about your opinion. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you just did exactly what we were expressing, modeled curiosity and openness and, Mm -hmm. and understanding. So I really feel like that, that ability to feel safe, um, to have an experience, to have uh, an opinion, a thought, a feeling, to not have it attached to who you are, for there to be a space shared with other people where our actual goal is community and connection mm-hmm. and understanding and curiosity, um, then all, all people's experience is actually brought into the room with the same level of merit. Like there's not like a hierarchy, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all contribution, all thoughts, all feelings are participating in this sort of alchemical soup of furthering relationship along. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Yes. You have to park your self-importance. Doesn't I think the 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 solvent for the ego mind let, let's come up with some different words for the ego is like the small self, the parts of yourself you haven't healed, your angry inner child all that. You know, the solvent for all of that is community because why because you can't hide there's no hiding in a group your shadow's going to be out your light's going to be out vice versa and because i think we are love we are wired to love and you can't be in a room full of people and not have your heart broken by someone's pain we've all been i mean everybody anybody listening to mark groves i mean we've been to a workshop and We've all had those experiences, most of us, where someone has the courage to get up and talk about, my mother never told me she loved me. And you hear that, you melt, your your ego is in your duffel bag. It is, you know, so we need to be together. And also, I mean, we get really out there like, this is the age of Aquarius that we have moved into. We're moving out of a time of individuation. We're moving into the hallmark of age of Aquarius is about inclusiveness, is about community. This is the essence of Christ consciousness. I mean, it's no accident. I know you're staying at a friend's house right now, and I don't know if you're going to show the video, but like there's this beautiful mirrored image of Christ with his arms open behind Mark, whoever your friends are. Oh, but then what's that sinister thing? There's a... um, (laughs) And I don't know what that a dragon. It looks it's like a, a dragon. dragon. I'm not so sure about mixing the dragon with Christ, but <laughs> I have an esoteric theory about that, but it's like, we need to be together. So in the spirit of like what the mother's calling for now, clearly what our hearts are calling for is like, let's go basic. What are your grievances? Who do you need to forgive? Let's go even let's, let's even let's one up ourselves with love. Who do you need to ask for forgiveness from? I think that's how we get through this passage. It's like for the last two years and part of my radical simplification in my life is like I decided I was actually going to ask some people for forgiveness and they were the people who had done me the most wrong. Mm -hmm. I was like, if they were 90% the asshole, that means I was still 10% responsible. I'm going to take intense responsibility for my 10%. And then maybe they owe me 90, I'm sorry's, but I'm just going to give them the 10 sorry's. And it's amazing what happens for everybody. 
you have to do, of course, you don't say sorry. So you get the, I sorry back. I'm sorry back. But um, I feel like we're in this passage. We're going down these, we're, we're heading for these rapids. And the only way we're going to be able to surf these rapids is if we throw our self-centeredness overboard and all of our grievances overboard. It's like you, if you are still pissed off with somebody from what they did to you 10 years ago and how you got done wrong, you were not going to make it through this. You've got to lighten your load and maybe you have no grievances. Bless, bless that you've done the work and you, you know, you just like sort of in that flow of forgiving of letting go. Then the work now is to be the bridge, to be curious. And my experience is, I mean, we have this exercise in the heart-centered facilitator program called holding polarization, where you bring to mind a topic. Everybody got a topic right now where you are fired up about it. You might even give your life for it. You're fighting for it. Anything you want to fight for, there's going to be opposition. And why do you have that opinion? How were you raised in such a way that had you have this opinion? What culture are you inculcated in, positive or negative? This is not about your bad trip. It has you perceive things the way you perceive this particular opinion. Okay, who are you in opposition with? Okay, you got it. Everybody got it. Feel your body when you think about being in opposition to somebody. Why do they think the way they think? What are they scared of? What do they cherish? There's something that you cherish that's having you hold your opinion. What do they cherish? And the goal of this, I mean, we're doing this in workshops and we're doing this in big firms, is just get softer. Don't get righter. Don't figure out why someone is wrong or just get more gentle. They, you know, it's a re- an epiphany for lots of people that. Your enemy actually cherishes something. They have the capacity to love something. Yeah. And you get a little deeper and you'll find out that most of us love the same things. I'm talking about real love. We love our children. We love each other. We're all struggling with that. But when you realize someone's doing the best thing they think they're doing, you know, they're doing what they think is best for their mother. And for their child on both sides of an issue. And where there is that, I see is like this when you have that revelation, oh my gosh, we're just making it, we're actually both making a choice out of love. (sighs) You just kind of float it up. Yeah. None of it matters. None of it matters. It's a transcendental moment. And that's where you actually rise above the polarity because if there's a right and there's a wrong, there is no truth. The truth is that revelation. Oh my gosh, we both did it for love. That's a truthful moment. You still don't have to disagree. You still may be far more informed psychically, scientifically, historically than the other person. The other person may actually be operating in a a real legit state of ignorance. But when you realize they're doing it for love um, or they're doing it out of fear, doesn't matter. We all do things out of fear. Then you calm down and you probably just say, okay, okay. 
And then you get down into the cheesy, overused self-help phrase. Now you do you and I'll do me. (laughs) There's a light side and there's a dark side of that. You do you and I will love you anyway. Hmm. It's not you go off and do you and I'm going to go off and do me. Nobody wins in that. You do you and you can do you right next door to me. And I can still hold the opinion that I think you have made some messed up decisions. And I'm not going to hold that against you if, if and when you need my support. It's all, it's all, you know, it's all, it's over. Doors always open. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful invitation to that space. That feels like a nice space to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel quite, I feel quite moved in this moment, but it's like, that is courage because you know, I think so many of us right now, like on these different sides we're on, we're saying like, you're making this decision because you don't care. And I think some people are like, but I care so much. You're so misunderstanding me. Every side is saying that, but I care so much. Could we not focus on that? On but I care so much. I'm like, oh my God, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah. It really believes in the, in what their true intention, which is connection, which is love, which is care, which is concern. Mm-hmm. Um, and being reminded that we can see when we begin to understand people's story and what brings them to that moment and why they might feel the way they feel, it humanizes them. But in a way, like from what I hear too, it humanizes us in the process. Like mm-hmm. by just taking mm-hmm. that stance, we are humanized ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not oppositional within ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we often have a hard time exploring other thoughts and feelings when we haven't even recognized that we have conflicting thoughts and feelings within our own selves, you know, that's it. Like my new mind, this is my new touchstone for enlightenment. Someone does something. I go, you're an idiot. And I say to myself, I was that I, I, I made a decision out of fear just, you know, once, twice in my life, you know, it's like, it's just, um, So in that moment, I'm where I, what I say to myself is I've been that before. So it's like, I'm giving myself credit for my clarity of mind. I'm, I've, I've worked hard to be a discerning individual and there's leagues to go, but I consider myself discerning. That could be just my ego talking, but I want to take credit for my, I want to acknowledge my own um, consciousness and see that like, it's okay to have opinions. Like I have them. Uh, opinions are how you create your reality. I'm choosing to have opinions that are aligned with love. But if I can just say, oh, I was that. It's the same kind of patience that we have with teenagers. When you're not a teenager anymore, you go, God, I was such an idiot. <laughs> You know, I used to drive with one eye open after a few, you know, um, (laughs) that's how we did it. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> we should all look at at uh, people who have opposing thoughts and feelings and look at them how we used to look at teenagers with some understanding, you know? With yeah. Some, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. And there has to be play. Then you got to check your arrogance, right? It's not like I'm older and wiser than you. It's just like, okay, I've done that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Leave it at that. Now, what do you have to learn from that? Like, you know, in the world situation, there's been people who make weird choices and things like I'm vehemently not for, I just think are just not healthy, not wise, not loving, not inclusive. And I think when I move into that place, I'm like, wow, you really are doing this out of love. I just think in some ways you're so much more committed and courageous than I am. Look at the ends of the earth you're going to for this, you know? I don't, I don't know if I would die for what I believe in, hmm. you know, and now we're getting all indigo girls. Um, <laughs> if, <laughs> there's, like yeah. there's a thousand things you'd die for. I can hardly think of one. Yeah. Um, oh, I miss concerts. Oh, Mark. Right? <laughs> concerts. And I did go to an outdoor, like just sit around. We had Luca Fagale. Mm-hmm. Do you know Luca? Mm-mm. Oh man, he's from Vancouver area and he's like one of the most brilliant musical artists. I love him. He is just like, keeps rising, keeps rising. I saw him sing at the open mic at Corduroy mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. God, I miss mm-hmm. open mics too. Fuck, they're good. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I remember being like, are you famous? Cause man, <laughs> like his music was just so, and he's like, nah, he's like the, he's the type of person who should be so famous. He's such a good, humble human being. And, uh, the next thing I know he's winning freaking awards and he's mm. opening for, uh, what is that Irish singer's name? I'm forgetting right now, but he's incredible. Duh, Paolo Nutini. No, Glenn Hansard. no, no, he's young. He's, a uh, he, he sings like acoustic power over me do you know that song no anyways he's like opening touring he's incredible he's wait so give us a name again who's your luca guy luca fagale fagale o-g-a-l-e okay and i got to go to a a park party where he was singing and it Mm. was just like reminding me of how important that is Mm. for our souls to create those moments you know to create family dinners that don't have to be blood to to like keep modeling this experience of like everybody, all sorts come. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, you really are seeing a lot of that in the world right now. I, I think mm-hmm. that's one thing that's really cool about humanity is where there is exclusion, you know, there is other people really fighting for inclusion and, mm-hmm. and demonstrating it. Mm-hmm. I always think of, I've shared this quote on the podcast before because I love it so much that um, I forget who it's by, but it's, when you draw a circle to exclude me, I draw a bigger circle to include you mm-hmm. in. And I think we're all being invited to learn how to do that. Cause that's not easy. You know, I like being right. I'm not going to lie. It's mm-hmm. a great feeling, um, but it's a lonely feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like this isolated space where I'm the only person cheering myself on other than the other people who might agree with my position, but we're all pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's such a thing to strive to feel connected rather than right, or to feel, to be loving. And you can both be right. Right. This is the beauty. You can both be right. Like you don't have to, we don't have to shame ourselves, wrong ourselves, like bring it all in. Well, this sounds like a beautiful 
process of getting more heart centered. Mm -hmm. And so for the people listening, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find more of that jazz? Mm -hmm. I know we'll definitely link it out in the show notes, make sure people have access to it. Um, but tell us more about, about it all. I'm at daniellaport.com. I have a slight addiction to Instagram, but I'm, I'm dissolving that, but I'll be there. And I have, I'm all things heart centered these days. So there's this membership that I really consider to be refuge for a lot of people where we are, we're jamming every other week on the tough stuff. Like, how do I be, you know, these are the questions I'm getting, you know, talk to me about death of the ego and dark night of the soul. And how do I deal with someone who I think is killing me because they're not wearing a mask in my office? And how do I deal with someone who thinks I'm a death eater because I'm making different choices? Do you have a meditation for that? I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, I do. (laughs) Like we are in the trenches of the times. It's really beautiful. And then there's the facilitator program where we have this gorgeous curriculum of like, you want to do a holding polarization exercise with your teammates. This is how, you know, are you, are you volunteering somewhere? This is happening with incarcerated women. People are using it with high school, teenage kids, you know, it's like exercises that are about discernment and softening. And then all the practical things like being a coach and a facilitator and an engaged listener and working from anywhere in the world. I mean, that sounds like dreamy. It's pretty dreamy. And you get more heart centered. You learn how to coach and be a facilitator and you learn how to build a business anywhere in the world. Yeah. And, and you on time, because this is what I'm seeing since, you know, the facilitator program is really growing is there's a lot of us out there who've been coaches, facilitators, we're yoga instructors. We're like running HR departments and people just like, yeah, but I've never been through this before. Mm -hmm. And we need different tools to navigate this. And I mean, really resilience only happens in the heart and resilience is not about getting tougher. Resilience is about being more open. Yeah. Okay. So you just bought the create the love cards deck. I did. You and your man. I can't wait to hear what you think of them. Um, all right. You ready? I'm going to pick randomly. I'm ready. I try to stay out of the too much information <laughs> section. Let me tell people, this is what I do when I do any kind of cards. Cause you know, people are going to use your cards for like conversations or an Oracle, or they're going to think this is the answer for their life today. It isn't the answer for your life today. Although I want people to buy your cards. This is what I do. I say, I'm open to hearing my wisdom through these cards. So like I'm taking responsibility. This is not some juju thing out there. This is me speaking to me through this. Okay, go pull. Okay. You ready? Yeah. What are you really, really good at? Uh (laughs) Way to call that in. What am I really, really good at? Yeah. And, and humility is not is actually owning those things. So I can't wait to hear this. Okay. I am really, really good at buying gifts. I'm good at gifts. Are you a good gift buyer? Oh my gosh. I know right now what I would get you. I totally know what I would get you. I'm not telling you. Oh yes. 
and I can figure out where to get it and have it delivered by tomorrow. I love, I find the right gift. So that's gotta be one of your core love languages. It isn't actually my, yes. I don't, don't get me any stuff. I don't want any stuff. (laughs) I don't want to, I just got rid of 70% of my things. Um, No, my love language is uh, words of deep, awesome affection. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and quality time, not even acts of service. I just want, you don't even have to do anything for me. Just let's hang out in the same room and tell me how much you love. Tell me, tell me why I don't want to know how much I want to know why break it down, please. Well, uh, yeah. I love you for your oh. incessant willingness to be dedicated to the virtue of, of, of love, of opening, of inviting us all to that space, reminding us how to do that. And, I mean, also, you know, really so much admiration for that. You just listen to the call and shift. Like you're like, boom, okay. I got rid of 70% of my shit. Got You know, like I'm shifting everything that I used to do. Like it shows you how um, fluid your own identity and what you're here to do. You're just like listening, connected to that greater, that greater thing. And so I'm incredibly inspired by you. So thank you. Mm. Crush your gimmicks. Crush your gimmicks. Like we all get these gimmicks with our brands. Like I built my thing on this. I got to keep being that. I got, I was successful with that. So I have to keep being that. Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Goodbye gimmicks. Yes. And people will, you know, in the days when I was doing business strategy, I'd hear this a lot. People would say, I want to go in this direction, but you know, I've been coaching on this for these years. And I say, listen, your people will come with you. They want to grow, model growth, just model being genuine and alive. And if they don't come with you, peace and new people will come like, yeah, have the daring to be present, alive. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for your time. We are. I speak for you, the listener, when I say we are so grateful. It's mutual in all ways. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.